What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East Mixtape Volume 132. You can listen to our show uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, across SB Nation, NFC East Blog Podcast Network. So you can also watch it on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. If you do uh, watch on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the channel that you prefer. Uh, if you're an Eagles fan, that would be BGN, Cowboys fan, BTB. We don't want you to contaminate your algorithm. Uh, but if you do check us out on YouTube, you will see that Brandon Gotten just waved one of, I don't know if they have a name for the towels that the Rally Phillies are towel. using. Okay, well, at least it's not like, at least I'm not trying to do like a, a very special towel thing. Uh, my name is Arjo Ochoa, BLG. The Phillies um, look great. Uh, my Astros, a little bit down right now. And tough scene for me because I'm sure that makes you happy and it makes a lot of my followers happy because they're Texas Rangers fans. So stuck between a rock and a hard place yeah. I am. That is interesting to me, that dynamic for you. But, you know, still a seven-game series. Lots of things can happen for the Astros. Same thing against the Phillies. Excited for that. People aren't really here for that, but it's certainly That's a necessary true. conversation. It would be, for the sake of the show, at least mildly interesting if the Phillies and Astros get back to the World Series and play against each other again. I, but, uh, it would also be we'll interesting see. for Philly and Dallas people. I was thinking about this and brought this up in our postgame show on Monday night because, yeah, it, it, it could be Rangers-Phillies, obviously, at this point in time. And the Cowboys play the Eagles three weeks from now, I think, in Philadelphia. Um, so that could the first I, weekend in November. I meant to look this up. That could line up with a potential World Series game if things broke the right way. Um, and it was mm. just it was funny the way you know the, the well, I know, I know, but the Eagles uh were in Houston to, get, to play the Texans. We've talked about this many times on Thursday Night Football last year, um, mm -hmm. on what was I think game five of the World Series. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. It would be interesting if that happened again in an overall sports sense. Uh, but again, no one's here to hear us talk about that. What they are here to hear us talk about, Brandon, today as we record, what? I think they would be in like Texas around that time, if I'm not mistaken. Because it would be if the Rangers and the Phillies play, the Phillies would have a uh, home field advantage. So it'd be yeah, two, and three, two. the Cowboys Eagles game in question is in Philadelphia. So it's not like somebody could go to both. Right. That's what um, I'm saying. I think but still, in different cities. But yes. For most people who would watch these events on television, it would be an interesting dynamic. But again, a lot of ball to play before then. Before we get to the football, not the baseball, um, it's Tuesday. It's noon, actually, Central, as you and I record this. We had to go an hour later because I had a lot of stuff happening on Tuesday morning, obviously. Uh, so appreciate BLG. But I saw this, Brandon. Today, for us, yesterday for the listener, is National Pasta Day. So mm. what is your favorite Noki. pasta? Okay. That's it? Noki? Okay. I like a good bow tie. Um, I think bow tie gets slept on um, with regards no. to actual pasta. Okay, fine. What sauce? You've never had vodka sauce, which is so. Yeah, I guess um, that's just a southern Texas thing at some yeah, level. I, mean, I, I don't know. I've only ever been to the East Coast um, twice. When I was in high school, our marching band we did a trip and went to DC. What did you we play? Went... I was on the drum line. I, I make this joke. I think i knew that really uh, i make this joke all the time that um when you're on the drumline in high school you sign a contract that says that anytime you have a chance in your future to bring up that you were on the drumline in high school you have to bring up that you were on the drumline in high school so i was on the drumline in high school mm. um but uh but my freshman year i was uh on the symbol line which is technically a part of the drumline mm. and um in our marching band we went on a trip in the summer to washington dc um to cedar point ohio and to hershey pennsylvania um so that was really cool um that was the only or one of the only times i've been there i also went uh and saw the cowboys play the patriots in boston four years ago so Probably i don't really have a lot of east coast experience um and vodka sauce seems like something that's kind of part of that neck of the woods i think you would like it i'm pretty confident it's like it's pretty universally liked i don't think it's polarizing 
Okay. Well, yeah, another day. It seems like something that I I would like to eat. I want to save it for an East Coast trip and maybe when it's like cold outside, like 40 degrees outside. That's what I'm kind of feeling as far as sure. the overall vibe is concerned. Yeah, get some vodka. I mean, you could do it with the bow ties, but I would recommend a rigatoni. That's typically what you would find it with, but hard okay. to go wrong either way. Let us know, uh, mixologists, what your preferred favorite pasta is. Uh, you can tweet at us at Brandon Gunn, at RG Ochoa, or uh, message us on Instagram with the hashtag mixtape pasta is what we're mm. going to go with uh, this particular week. Uh, Are you Brandon, give our loyal listener who tweeted well, you, us should. you don't give him the credit for it. I don't not, really acknowledge this nickname. I didn't denounce should. it, but I just, it's kind of a no comment from me. Well, let's hear the whole comment. There's no comment. You're the one who uses it. No, you I'm not. This is on you. For... This is on you. I'm, this, you use is, it. The ball is, is on in your me. court here. No, this is the ball is in your court here. And a lot of people have suggested the name Mixologist at this point. But this is this is on you wow. to own up to and, and to hand it's out. It's not credit. on me at all because I don't say anything about it. You use okay. it. All right. You're anyway. Stealing without giving credit. That's not true at all. Unethical. What was um? What was the other name that we had? I don't know. I think we I think we tried mixers. That was bad. Um oh, that can't work. I don't know. Um are you ready for this? For what? <laughs> to dis for the for the episode. We've we've fiddle yeah. faddled right. around enough. Um we have to go in divisional standing. Obviously, we are now through week six of the NFL season. Um, and at this point in time, the Philadelphia Eagles still hold first place in the NFC East, even though they lost in embarrassing fashion to the New York Jets for the first time ever. Um, first time I actually, ever. look, I'm going to say I was you actually mentioned before we started recording um, how annoyed I get when people like beat things into the ground. I was really annoyed at how many people on Sunday evening were like, wait, the Jets have never beaten the Eagles ever. How did you not know this? Like it, it, this has been discussed a million different times. Like every time they play, it's a thing. Um, it's, it's, I would honestly say it's up there with the Steagles thing in terms of things that are discussed ad nauseum. Uh, but nevertheless, it is no longer a thing. 20 to 14, the final score, your initial thoughts, of course, Brandon, the floor is yours. I don't think I'm as angry as I want to be after this <laughs> game. I'd like to be able to rip people more. For like, oh, you just stunk all game long. That's not really the case. I think this was a game that was uncharacteristic. I don't think I'm worried about Devontae Smith dropping the ball wide open in the middle of the field moving forward. I don't think I'm worried about Dallas Goddard, who's been ex extremely successful on those screenplays that they run for him, having the ball somehow bobble off his hands and right into the hands of a Jets defender. I don't think I'm worried about John Swift fumbling when that hasn't really been an issue for him this year. I don't think I'm worried about Jalen Hurts throwing the worst interception like of his career inexplicably in a key spot. I don't think that's well, going to be an issue. There were a lot of Jalen Hurts interceptions to choose from, to be fair. Okay, that is true. And look, I do think at the end of the day, he deserves blame. And I mentioned this a lot on BGN Radio. The most blame, honestly, because you don't pay your quarterback $50 million to be like not the biggest issue or not the problem with your loss. You don't do that. It's not necessarily fair, quote-unquote, but that's the expectation. If you have an elite quarterback, they have to be the difference maker. And even though he didn't have a great game, well, it's weird because he legitimately was having a pretty good game. Maybe his, even his best game of the season up until a certain point when, and the most critical point, which is kind of the most important thing. And if you do everything else, great, but fail at the end, which he did by throwing that, he, he like, you can't throw that interception. You just can't. And it's not like, like, all he had to do on that play, instead of throwing the interception, was he could have just eaten it. He could have taken the sack, Eagles punt the ball, and they give their defense a chance to stop Zach Wilson in the offense. And no, that's not on the offensive coordinator or Nick Sirianni. The Eagles should have absolutely went for it on that third down. Because if you get a first down there, and you trust that your quarterback, who you paid $50 million to, who's throwing to Devontae Smith, who dropped the pass earlier. Okay, but even maybe No, the Devontae dropped it really bad uh or that, was, that wasn't even a drop that was like a i mean you know what i'm saying like there it are drops awful. that are yeah like He's some drops open. are like it, it hits your hands and like you know it's a close contested kind of thing this was just like like almost like or he, there's a defender the ball away. like there's no it's just wide open like i don't understand right. how that could possibly and he also had another one earlier in the game so it's like it's more than just okay one bad drop in the game like no he had two like what is going on here so uh but yeah, going back to the interception, like all he has to do is he can take off running, he can take a sack, 
you just can't throw an interception there. And he did the only thing he couldn't do. And then even though he made that mistake, he had a chance to redeem himself the final drive, and they couldn't even pick up a first down. On first down, he overthrows A.J. Brown, which could have been a huge play. given That could have been picked off. It could have been, yeah, based how it was tipped. But um, it should have been an easy completion. A.J. Brown was wide open. You overthrow him somehow. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when you needed Jalen Hurts to come through, and even though I said I'm not really worried about him, you know, having those kind of interceptions moving forward, I have to acknowledge he's turned the ball over way too much. And it's dating back to the Super Bowl. I think he has eight or nine turnovers since then. That's way too much. He's turning the ball over too much. Some of these interceptions in this game weren't his fault entirely because the Uh first one, no, the Goddard, well, the Goddard one should have been ruled a fumble, kind of like Goddard caught the ball but he just couldn't hold on. Like that wasn't a bad throw from Hertz. The second one I think is debatable because he got hit as he was throwing by Jermaine Johnson. I think you could have said he could have done a better they're, job. They're not debatable when you have seven interceptions through six games. Well, that's my point. Like when you, you can like parse through each one, but when you zoom out and you look at has all these interceptions, you can't be like, well, he's just getting unlucky. Like one of the best things about Jalen Hurts is that he takes care of the ball. Like that's been one of his strongest points. So when he's not doing that, that's kind of a big deal. And you had four turnovers in this game. You still could have won it despite that. I mean, it just wasn't their day. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. I know I'm going long here, but like Jason, Jake Elliott misses a 37-yard field goal. Jake Elliott's been awesome this year. Like, I'm not worried about him missing field goals moving forward. Like, just, everyone, they're good players, played very badly, and they lost the game narrowly, and that's what happened. Um, so before <clears throat> I offer some words that are less um... Goalpost moving than yours were. Um, I do want to give credit to what Sean. What is the Sean. goalpost moved? I well, said I the Jets were go- a good team heading into the week, or at least a team that has played teams competitively. I don't think they were a joke of a team either. Mm. I didn't. I said that. I said that. I'm not. I'm not saying you. I mean, and episode I, when I, I don't mean to take. Off. I don't mean to take like one tweet. People do this all the time. Like I don't mean to take one tweet I saw from like a random Eagles fan and say like that's representative of the opinions of the entire fan base. People do that all the time. Right? Like, oh, I saw a Cowboys fan saying this. I saw a Giants fan saying like that's not my point. Um, but so well, first of all, I wanted to give credit. Sean Daly is um, is the author of Mixologist, um, and I was looking at Sean's uh, tweets about this in uh, last December. Sean noted um, that he had looked up search history to confirm that he was the first. So um, I haven't done that, but Sean has uh, to, you know, 100% check that, you know, Mixologist is trademarked by Sean Daly. So, you know, you should feel bad for not offering the credit that I was willing to. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to certainly say that things like the missed field goal, you know, whatever, but those things do like, I mean, he won't like not miss a field goal the rest of the season, right? Like, yeah, again, even if he misses one or whatever, like the Eagles were, I don't want to say playing with fire. That's not the right way to put it, but they were playing poorly kind of at, at, at different points in the season and had managed to pull off one drive to like ultimately win it. However, that was necessary, like to kind of ice the game or keep the ball away from whoever they were playing. Um, and so they were kind of right there for the taking. We've been talking about that for a while. And so this felt like, you know, maybe a more exaggerated version of that, but that's why they lost. Obviously the Jalen hurts thing um, is, a, I think a very, troubling thing if you're an Eagles fan um so I wanted to ask um if you had seen this because you were obviously very busy I wanted to read you something it's very short um a tweet that was sent right before that possession um the final possession of the game uh from an account that I respect uh tweeted out time for Hertz to go prove he's worth that contract Jalen of course went four and out um only getting two yards in the process and you could argue also the final pass could have been intercepted, but I mean, it's just, it's a, you know, it's well, a prayer of a ball. Of right. Why right. just real quick. I wanted to get into like, okay, some of those interceptions weren't his fault, but he also had some drop picks. So that kind of evens out. So I don't want to like, it's not fair to jump on anyone, whatever, and say not worth the contract, totally worth the contract. Like, no quarterback is worth the contract, except maybe Patrick Mahomes. Like the, it's a, people use the, the car analogy all the time. The moment you drive it off the lot, it depreciates in value, whatever. Um, but, I mean, right now, through six games, Jalen Hurts has more interceptions than he did all of last season. Um, he obviously mm-hmm. had the fumble in, was it week one against the Patriots? He has eight turnovers through six games. Like, that's no longer, like, a fluke thing. Yeah, and that is a back to the a, Super Bowl, it's nine in seven games. Um, so you're counting the Super Bowl, is what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying in his last seven games, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So the, well, he only had the, it was the fumble only, right? I don't think he had any yeah, interceptions. Yeah, but still, the like, there's been at least one turnover, and... He's averaging more than a turnover per game. That's not good. 
so then you could argue of in his last seven games of consequence or where there was a, a viable kind of threat opposite of him because the Niners and Giants playoff games were these like comfortable, easy wins. Um, it has been tough sledding, but that's going, that's moving the goalposts. But yeah, the turnovers are, awesome are really, con- <laughs> well, I mean, you're the one who brought up the fumble. I, you're the one who wanted to include that. In well, the, the turnovers are an issue. That's what I'm saying. It's not like he's been bad um, though, across the board. He is a he, had a he was really good in this game up until the, like the end where what, that's what you get paid the big money for though to be to overcome having a bad game to overcome Jake Elliott missing a field goal like that's why you get the most money is because in theory you're the person who can make the biggest difference and rise above adversity some of it that you created for yourself to go and win the game and that's what Jalen Ernst has been a really good job at doing because the Eagles were what like twenty two and 21 or whatever in his last 23 starts entering this game and i give him all the credit in the world for that so if we're going to give him credit when he deserves it we're also going to rip him when he deserves to be ripped um i think the troubling thing for this and i'm sure you've talked about this at bgn radio is the schedule's about to pick up for the eagles and so this was one of those games that you had to have because and again i know eagles fans have heard this ad nauseum at this point but for anyone who hasn't up next uh the eagles are on sunday night football against the Miami Dolphins, and then at Washington, although the Commanders um, could have won that game if Ron Rivera weren't such a coward, then Dallas, then the bye week at Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, and then is it Dallas again right after that? Yeah, that's at Dallas. Um, I mean, it's about to get real, and it's a pretty somber foot to kind of start that little run off of. Yeah, I mean, this is – ideally, you wanted the Eagles to build the cushion – uh, and be able to withstand this tough run coming up. But, I mean, I'm not ready to say because they lost the Jets in uncharacteristic fashion. Now they're definitely going to lose the Dolphins. They're definitely going to lose all these games, and they're terrible, and everything is wrong. No, I'm not ready to say that. I am ready to say that this stretch coming up very much defines who they are. So if they do start to falter more, then, yeah, I'm going to be criticizing them during that. But I'm not. it's not to the point where you have to say, well, because they lost this game, actually, that means all the other wins aren't even that good and they're total frauds and they are hopeless and they can't possibly hang and they can't possibly get better or have any resolve. And Jalen Hurts' long streak of winning games in a very impressive fashion doesn't mean like it's just I think some of the I think there's been too much overreaction to this loss, more so nationally. Certainly, you know, locally, there's always going to be a reaction to a loss. But I just think people are getting a little too, I think, like, everyone's going to take the Dolphins this week. I think everyone is going to jump on that. It's like, how could the Eagles possibly That would be fair, though. The Dolphins. I don't think it is fair. I, don't, I mean, to, to, say, say, to say it's impossible for the Eagles to win well, is ludicrus. Then the like, Dolphins should have been able to, to blow the out the Bills. The Dolphins should have been able to blow out the Bills, right? Because they were coming off that dominant performance. Where they scored 70 points. And then the Bills did what? They, they, they lost that game prior or whatever? Like... Weren't no, the Dol- I'm asking, weren't the Dolphins underdogs? I mean, I feel like we, I know we talked about this, and I believe yeah, you took the Bills in that game. Um, you didn't lock them up, but they were underdogs. But so like, like a lot of thought, people were like, oh, this is know. such an easy bet. Take the Dolphins with the boy. <laughs> like, sometimes you have to go against the grain. I'm willing to go wow. against the grain on this one. I think the Eagles, I can't make, I'm not ready to make my, and we're going to get into picking the games later. It's a little early in the week to definitely know how the I feel about this because I've not seen the injury report, and that's very important. And that's honestly like the more concerning thing coming out of the Jets game is just the overall team health because the Eagles got really banged up. And especially when it comes right. to the status of Lane Johnson, who might be able to right. play, but uh, we will see. And also we will see how just how healthy he is as he's playing through injury. That's really the bigger concern for me in the bigger picture. It wasn't about, okay, are these good players suddenly bad? No, it's more about is this team going to be able to field enough players to make it through these games? I don't think that it's logical to say, are these good players suddenly bad? I think it's fair to wonder, are these good players who were all playing at elite levels simultaneously? Is there starting to, you know, is regression to the mean starting to happen in some particular ways? You could certainly argue um, injuries suck no matter who they are, no matter what team they happen to. But like that's starting to pop up, obviously. Um, And certainly, again, Nobody wants to see anybody be hurt. Good news that the initial report was that Lane Johnson isn't expected to be dealing with anything long-term. Um, but he is the the Jenga piece on the Eagles roster. Uh, the great Dave Damashek always talks about who are the non-quarterback Jenga pieces on NFL teams. It's Lane Johnson for the Eagles. And that's been the case for a long time now. Um, and you're right. I wonder if we'll see the line move. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But um, after the injury it already has. Out in the middle of this it's week. already gone to the Dolphins' side because 
surprise, a lot of the money is going in on Miami side. <laughs> it's so funny how you uh, have loved the Dolphins for, I don't know, like 15 months now. And then all of a sudden the Eagles are playing the them and they suck and they're losers. That's not okay. It literally <laughs> didn't say anything remotely like that. I think the Dolphins are, I think the Dolphins could be in the Super Bowl. I am, it's nothing against the Dolphins. It's just that like, it can't just be. Well, the Eagles lost to the Jets, so now they're bad defend- definitively, and they just have no chance against the Dolphins. Like, I can't accept that as a real take. Um, I don't think that that take exists. I mean, you know, like that, that seems more a of a strong local thing but... than people just overreacting here, but I have sure. seen that energy locally, is what I'm getting that from. Are we ready to move on? Yes. Uh, all right. Um, Wow, I'm surprised I haven't heard you say um, that the Phillies beat the Marlins. So, like, you know, there was some positive Philly Miami energy going on right now. But and hey, look, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to throw you a bone. Anyway, um, next up, the Dallas Cowboys uh, beat the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football, twenty to seventeen. Brandon, I would love to hear your thoughts on Justin Herbert having an opportunity to go win the game I mean, and throwing an interception at the very I end. In jumped off fashion. the Chargers bandwagon <laughs> before the season. That is very much. Like, if you look at all my picks this year, I've like right. picked against the Chargers consistently, and you know that for the Espionation NFL show, I've said they just deserve zero benefit of the doubt. Let them. That's true, but but Herbert deserves a lot of this at this point. Like, and to your point about, yeah, he was I, give you, I give you credit for for criticizing Jalen Hurts. Justin Herbert got a big contract too. You know what sure. I mean? If you're going to give him all the money, I mean, and I don't know what the stat is that's floating around. Um, like intercept, he has like interceptions in the final three minutes, whatever it is, down seven or something like that. He has 13 since 2020, and nobody else has more than eight. Um, so like at a certain point, it can't like Justin Herbert is in the cushiest spot. I like Justin okay, Herbert, but let's is, focus on the Cowboys a little bit. Like, I'm just saying, to... I've you have been a Justin Herbert stand forever, and it's fair to believe in him. But that was a horrible I mean, moment. But a great job so the Cowboys defense. after they blew the playoff game, certainly. And then I was not feeling good about the Chargers this year. I wasn't. I haven't been. I've not okay. been on the Chargers this year. You're and right. That's. Well, I bet. The... I literally bet on the Cowboys <laughs> to win this game with my own real money on DraftKings Sportsbook. Shout out DraftKings. And I also, and anywhere I picked them against the spread and my straight up picks, I picked the Cowboys. I, I had full confidence in the NFC's mixtape last week. I had full confidence the Cowboys were going to win that game because I had zero confidence in the Chargers. So it's, I know I'm not like surprised that the Cowboys won we'll, that game. We'll leave uh, that discussion for the AFC West mixtape, which I wish sure. was a joke that I was making, but it's an actual well, you, real I mean, thing. You like it. You actually uh, like it because it's. Whatever. Anyway, you know, uh, the Cowboys is the highest form of flattery, they say. This was a tough, grinded out win for Dallas. I don't know how much attention we didn't talk about this. You were paying because the Phillies were playing at the same yeah, time. I was flipping back and forth. Right. Um, it was tough sledding, man. And um, this was kind of obviously the most contentious game the Cowboys have played all season long because you know, they played in four blowouts. Obviously, the San Francisco one went against them. And even the Cardinals game, they were just chasing almost from the jump. Uh, but this was kind of back and forth. The Chargers scored early on. And then Dan Quinn kind of put the clamps on. Um, Kellen Moore didn't really have that great of a showing, which was, you know, a positive thing for the Cowboys, but Mike McCarthy did not either. Uh, Dak Prescott mm. really was just kind of the hero for the Cowboys. Mm. To your point about why you paid quarterbacks the big bucks, he was the the most stabilizing, thermostat player on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, I did have Mike McCarthy as not only a stock down, but my leading stock down, the person okay. I gave the most attention to. Um, talked about him on our postgame show that uh, the BTB listeners have obviously heard. Um, so it was a game where there were certainly some positive things to take away. Dak Prescott chief among them, CD lamb after calling for the ball more, I tweeted this during the game. It is a badass thing to me when you can say, I want the ball more and then you get it and you deliver like that is a cool thing. Not a lot of people have that capability, but CD lamb pulled it off. Marquise bell was amazing on the defensive side of the ball. Cowboys secondary rose to the challenge at the very end, kind of a, a tough day for certain players. Um, I created a new category that I called volatile stock, which is kind of meant to embody players who had kind of an up and down game. Stefan Gilmore was there. He had a really rough game, I thought, until the game ceiling interception. Um, but Mike McCarthy's decision at the end of the first half is going to be what a lot of people talk about now that the Cowboys are on their bye. But uh, actually, last thing, to get to the bye at four and two um, is obviously a lot better than three and three. And um, to, to get this win the day after, not only the Eagles loss, but the Niners loss as well. Uh, was just a big boost of positive energy 
when a week ago it felt like the season was completely and totally over after what happened in San Francisco. And again, for those Cowboys fans who are also Rangers fans, just positive vibes right now in an overall sports sense. I don't think you needed style points. The Cowboys have had those wins this year. You just needed to actually rebound from the 49ers loss and win the game. That's what they did. Three things that I want to get to. Number one is that Jonathan Gannon's style, which is also like Brandon Staley's style of just like, don't allow the big play at all costs play off on third down was driving me nuts because there were i saw multiple third downs where credit to dak for making the throw but it's also just like cd lamb or whatever just free release and wide open at the marker and the quarterback is just playing incredibly far off and is basically like okay i'll just rally and tackle them but like you're giving him a first down you're just surrendering it so that drove me nuts uh that's not the cowboy's fault or anything a criticism of them it's just nuts to see that when rooting against them number two I'm glad you called out the McCarthy thing because I uh, think you have to mention the end of the first half sequence there. Where so the context of that, because I'm sure there were a lot of Eagles fans who were maybe watching the Phillies and didn't see it. And to live it out in real time was really interesting. Um, the Cowboys got down to the Chargers 14 yard line. Um, they were tied with the Chargers at the time, seven to seven. And there were eight seconds left. The Cowboys had two timeouts. And so Joe Buck is on the call. And by the way, I don't I don't know how well you listen, but Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were kind of loose in this game. Like it was kind of fun. Um, it was a it was a real vibesy kind of night. Um, I think they've loosened up a little bit since um the transition to Monday Night Football. That's a different discussion. Anyway, so um the clock stops with eight seconds left, and all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, there are only three seconds left on the clock, and everybody's like what <laughs> what uh, happened yeah. here um and there had been a discussion between mike mccarthy and the official that sort of preceded this and so joe buck is kind of like the mind of all of us pontificating like i, don't, I have no idea he actually said unless i fell asleep i um, heard that five yeah five seconds were just wiped off and so all of halftime so the cowboys decide to kick the field goal um it's successful obviously they go into halftime up 10 to 7 and nobody has any idea and i tweeted at this moment I said, look, it's possible. Like, there, there's a remote possibility that there's an explanation for this. Like, mm. you know, you never know. Like, maybe there's an injury or something that popped up and you you don't have the time to kind of deal with it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I said, but that is incredibly unlikely. You know, I ripped McCarthy for that, again, while offering him that grace. But right out of halftime, Joe Buck says, okay, here's what happened. The official effectively called timeout <laughs> because they assumed that Mike McCarthy would want a shot at the end zone. But Mike right. McCarthy asked, why did you why did you not run down the clock? Um, so Mike McCarthy purposefully and willfully, as I tweeted again, um, threw away the opportunity so to go dumb. at the end zone, which was so frustrating. And his explanation after the game, just to give you full context, uh, was that he didn't want to chase anything right there, that he wanted to make sure they got the points and got into halftime. You keep two in, timeouts. Keep I agree with you, uh, obviously. Keep in mind though, earlier in the game, Dallas faced a fourth and short. And decided to go for it instead of kicking Didn't. uh what would have been an easy field goal they failed what did they, obviously what did they run on that i hate the name tush push so much um and then i hate that dak after was asked about it and he was like well they didn't push my tush enough and everybody thought it was the funniest thing in the world um but whatever uh it was such a horrible attempt at that but that's that's not even what's at stake here my mm -hmm. point is that you know the cowboys went for it and i was happy that they went for it if they failed and that sucks but like you know, what are yeah. you doing, dude? What a cowardly move. To, they yeah. won this game by three points. Right. And the Chargers had the ball at the end with a chance to go win. Like, you could have used those four extra points. Yeah, this is what I talk about. Uh, you know, your coach giving you an edge. He did not give you an edge in that situation. I mean, it's not. He nullified not, whatever edge there was in this It's game. eight seconds, dude. Like, that is more than enough time. And to trust your quarterback, like, you have, you have to give them one shot into the end zone. Maybe it doesn't work out. That's fine. You have plenty of time. Or it doesn't even have to be in the end zone. That's the thing. It could be over the middle of the field. It could be a short pass that just, you know, sets up a shorter field goal. You have two timeouts. You could take another timeout. So, yeah, that was really bad. And also something that, like, from my side of the fence is, like, I'm glad that that mismanagement exists and it makes me – feel like there is a cap on the Cowboys ceiling when I see things like that. My last thing, and I think this didn't get enough attention, you know, you talked about, and, and look, Dak did good things in this game. I didn't get to see the whole game. But if we're talking about waiting the end of the game, like I very much did with Jalen Hurts, same standard. When you have Tony Pollard open in the end zone like that, and that throw didn't look right to me as it came out. I don't know what happened there, but I, that throw looked wobbly and it didn't look good. And I think Troy Aikman did 
the listeners a disservice by being obsessed for some reason with Kenneth Murray like interfering with him when that clearly didn't happen at all. And it was actually just a really bad throw. Dak misses that throw there to have a touchdown and probably, you know, guarantee that the Cowboys are at least getting to overtime if the Chargers can drive. They only get a field goal worked out where the Chargers charger and Keenan Allen steps out of bounds early and the Cowboys defense shuts them down. So it didn't cost them. But like that was a big missed opportunity there. And if the Cowboys, uh, the Chargers are able to actually for once live up to their potential and a drive there, like you better be like Dak should have been getting crushed for that. That was a big missed throw at the end of the game with the game potentially on the line and giving the Chargers a chance to go and march down the field and get a touchdown to win the game. I think it's hilarious. There's more energy from you on a missed throw from Dak Prescott in a game the Cowboys won in a, in, a, in a week I where s- Dak was literally the highest graded quarterback by PFF than okay. Jalen Hurts' game-winning game throw interception that was one of the worst that interceptions we've seen this NFL. That is so untrue. I ripped Jalen Hurts so bad for that, especially if you listen to that, like this, radio. I it said was, Jalen Hurts was the main reason they lost the game. How could I say? How could I possibly this, give him more any negative energy than that? This was, I mean, I, I think to like – fault Dak for this you're is not really hitting it. You're, silly you're giving this is this is kid glove treatment here you should i don't think it's kid glove treatment at all i would be Go. ripping jalen hurts for missing that throw that was a terrible miss Paul i don't think it was a open. terrible miss was, it was a difficult was game and, and he, he was, was wide he, open in the end zone. i don't think that you Dak can say him. that he was wide he was wide open, open. Dak missed it was him. he was under duress the entire game and he was the only reason the Cowboys accomplished anything. He had a clean pocket on that throw. He was not pressured on that throw. He was standing in the pocket. He let it rip, missed him. The, the mixologist will answer this. I think it's funny. Again, we Dak was literally the highest graded quarterback by PFF. It PFS didn't matter because the Cowboys won anyway. We're not doing your job as an analyst to be like, well, it didn't matter because the chart, the defense got to stop. I don't what think it didn't matter at all. It was it was tru- it was troubling that they couldn't score, obviously. But to to say like to make this the biggest talking point about Dak Prescott's performance, I think is unfair. I think would we not be talking? So you wouldn't be ta- if, the, if the Chargers had been able to drive, which has nothing to do with Dak's performance at that point. If the Chargers had been able to drive there, which they didn't, but they could have, right? Reasonably so. Then you wouldn't so, be talking about that. That wouldn't have so been a first big of all, all. This conversation is built on like six ifs, but if no, it's if, not. If, if, the if biggest if, if is um, that. If the Chargers go and score a touchdown there, which was conceivable, how is that inconceivable? I'm not saying it was inconceivable, but if if that had happened, I I still wouldn't. I mean, it would have sucked, and I think that certainly you could have blamed Dak to some degree for missing Tony Parr there. Um, but I mean, Dak Dak did his part in this game. Dak the the 60 yard gain that Tony Parr had only happened because Dak did roll out of the pocket and did hit him and did make that something out nice of nothing. Play. I mean, like everything good that happened on offense in this game happened because of Dak Prescott and happened because he was mobile and floating out of the pocket, which was really nice to see. Um, So had that happened, I mean, I wouldn't have come back and been like, oh, man, this is on Dak because he missed this throw to Tony Pollard. Like, that would have been, you know, maybe one of the butterfly effect moments. No, like, the the villain in this game. The same kind of game you're talking about that Dak did earlier in the game until messing up at the end. And I'm crushing Jalen Hurts for that at the end. That, he did not have the, the same, same game. He threw two interceptions before the interception at the end of the game. Like, Dak those didn't were, hurt his team like that. I mean. Those were not on him as much. Okay. Uh, as much. The second one, maybe. The second one is debatable. I think you can debate that one. The first one was not. The first one we was came here after the Cowboys lost to the, the Jaguars last year when Dak's game-losing interception was tipped out of Noah Brown's hands, and he was not afforded the same kind of grace. So Again, but you brought up the same point that it's like, okay, maybe that exact interception isn't his fault, but you look at how he's leading the NFL interceptions, and you can't just Jalen Hurts has okay. the most interceptions of all NFC quarterbacks. The only quarterback yeah, with more interceptions problem. than him I'm is Jimmy Garoppolo. That. He has I'm the same amount that. of picks as Mac Jones. So I'm saying that's a problem. Again, to harp this much on the one play that Dak Prescott missed when it's he made every other one throughout the night. Play, potentially. It wasn't the game-defining play. The game-defining play was the... because the defense stepped up, but it, it was because in the scenario where the Chargers were able to go no, down and get if, a touchdown. Yes, if it the was. Chargers had gone down and scored, the villain of it all would have been Mike McCarthy. Rightfully so. If anyone limited, oh, if anyone put a cap on them throughout the night, it was Mike McCarthy. And there's a lot of Cowboys fans. I don't like coming at him like this because I'm a fan of his. Uh, but Michael Gallup had a really poor showing in this particular game. I don't know if you've seen any of this conversation online. Touchdown. He had 10 targets in this game and three receptions for 24 yards. I haven't looked this up, but I feel like that has not happened in a very long time. Like where you had that little production off of that many targets. targets. Um, Now, some of that's on deck. Like everybody is kind of coming from Mike, And I feel badly because I'm a fan of Michael Gallup. 
I think he has returned to physical form. You and I have talked about this, but I mean, it was just not a great night for him. And if you're going to force feed anyone in this offense, it has to be CeeDee Lamb. I tweeted this out right before we started recording. Uh, I'm going to write about it. There are three players in the NFL this season who have had at least 42 targets and have at least a catch percentage of 80%. Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who the Giants let walk, by the way, um, and Adam Thielen, who's having a weird season for the Panthers, even though they're 0-6. But CeeDee's the third one. So he's having this remarkably efficient season. Why is that not the dude who you're feeding 10 targets towards in the game? I don't know why. Again, I'm willing to put some of that on Dak Prescott. I don't think it's fair to put it all on Gallup, all on Mike McCarthy. But if anyone was responsible for the Cowboys leaving meat on the bone for the Chargers to have an opportunity to capitalize on, it was Mike McCarthy. The decision by missing a throw in the final play. Again, the mixologist, I think, will speak on behalf of everything that happened here. But um, in the spirit of the mixologist, I don't know how to segue from this. We are going to take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Brandon, welcome back. While we were gone, you told me why the word mixologist is your favorite word in the English language. Do you leave enough time for the break? In terms of like, does Rachel have to like? Is that hard for her? You know, because we um, give her like the extra second. So make it a clean break. I don't want the listeners to think that um, I do work that you don't, but I handle this on our side at uh, Blog on the Boys, even though Rachel produces the show. Well, I don't do the audio work. Yeah, right, right. Right, right. Um, So it's very producer. Like like you're you're literally just, it's, you know, I'm not diminishing the adding of the break. Yeah, I was asking Um, a question to be clear too. It's a fairly simple answer to it. Um, So, you know, we'll we'll peek behind the curtain here. Yeah, I, I, I leave time for the break. You know what I mean? Um, but way to way to break the fourth wall for us, Brandon. You didn't answer why mixologist is your favorite word. Sean Daly would like to know. It's not my favorite word. Wow. Do you have a better name for the listeners? You've never offered one. I don't. Mm. I mean, you know, I was thinking you could call them something that relates to like, you know, obviously, you know, listening to a mixtape. Maybe we could call our listeners like, I don't know, listeners. It's 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 more applicable than ever. What if we call them like the mosh pit? You know what I mean? Like we're like a concert and they're mm. they're a mosh pit. Have you ever been in a mosh pit? All six foot five of you? I've been near them, not in one, like not fully not mosh. Is it called moshing if you're in the yeah, pit? it is. I didn't know that. I was really asking. We not have really a crowds guy in general, but mm. uh if I am not trying to be in like the if I am at some point, I'm not gonna be in the like the heart of the crowd action. Anyway, um, the Washington Commanders defeated the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Uh, the only other team in the NFC to get a win in week six outside of the Cowboys. Um, 24 to 16, the final score. No revenge for Taylor Heineke. Um, yeah, can't get the Didn't Jordan. play. Uh, <laughs> he should have played because yeah. Desmond Ritter stinks. That interception he threw in the red zone. We um, fast forwarded through this game on Monday Football Monday, which um, if you don't know what that means, listeners, mixologists, how dare you? Um, But um, 14 of 23 for 151 yards and three touchdowns. Again, kind of a weird game. Um, It never felt like the commanders are really in jeopardy in this game, but I think some, I don't mean to take away from them, but some of that is the Falcons, you know, but Mm -hmm. I mean, they're 500 and, you know, I mean, they're not going away. Like I think I've said this, kind of all season. I would not be stunned if they were the seventh seed at this point. I mean, they, they have a, an ability to kind of grind some games out, um, but they also have an ability to throw games away, which is what makes them so maddening. It's a very good response to getting embarrassed at home, right? They're at home against the Bears, getting blown out. So, you know, credit to them for taking advantage of that. I have clearly not been a big Falcons fan this year, but still you're on the road in Atlanta, coming off a terrible loss, get a chance to move up to three and three, get a potential tiebreaker i don't know if the falcons will be in that mix for the seven seed potentially they could be not crazy to think so you get a potential valuable tiebreaker as well and then looking at the commander schedule coming up here for let's say their next five you get home or road against the giants you get home against the eagles 
Dub. <laughs> okay. You get uh, road against the Patriots. Dub. Home against Seahawks. Or sorry, mm. road against Seahawks. The, wa- the Battle of Washingtons. Right. And then the Washington football teams. Yep. And then uh, Giants in uh, Landover, Maryland. So that's like, that's a, you have a chance to, I mean, conservatively, let's say they beat the Giants both times. They beat the Patriots like three so and two. So you get to six and four? Yeah. So like, four. you know, you're still yeah. not in a bad it, spot there. You're in a fine and that spot. Take, I, um, I don't think they did this on purpose. That takes you into Thanksgiving, which is kind of like the third, right. the second checkpoint of the season um, yes. for everyone. Um, but so that takes you into Thanksgiving at six and four. They visit the Cowboys on Thanksgiving right. Day. If they lose that game, even still, if you're north of 500 through Thanksgiving, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a pretty positive thing for this. Particular you you enter the Cowboys game thinking, okay, like maybe, maybe we can actually beat them. And then if we do, then we're, we're cooking with gas at that point. You know, obviously they're going to be underdogs in that game. And then if they do lose that game, drop to six and five, then you have the Dolphins the next week. So, you know, that's kind of tough. We might be looking at six and six all of a sudden. Oh, now the Dolphins are tough. To 20 minutes ago, the Dolphins were losers. For <laughs> nothing, I'm not saying the Dolphins <laughs> don't stand a chance. I think they should be favored in this game against the Eagles, but I just don't think the Eagles are hopeless against them. Right. I don't think it's like, oh, the Eagles don't have a chance to win the game. Um, uh, so are you I, impressed with Sam Howell? It's tough because uh, he's had some good games but he's i mean in this game kind of a weird game like 14 and 23 for only 151 yards so like the t- you know the touchdowns boost up the passer rating there it's not like he passed all over them the offense as a whole did like they they were under 200 yards between uh 121 passing taking out the five sacks they're still allowing a lot of sacks here they allowed five sacks in this game and then the rushing only they were at 72 on 22 attempts 3.3 yards per attempt so it's, this wasn't like wow amazing offensive performance here so i i'm not like still not in him in on him as franchise quarterback that you're signing to an extension but i'm, I'm still at the spot where you know like obviously you don't have to put jacoby Brissett in here you can play him and see if uh he is your guy or not yeah i don't mean to call it a hollow three touchdown performance because that's impressive like you know what i mean in an objective sense but um it, they do feel a little bit like empty calories. I was going to say when we were arguing that Jalen Hurts is 11th um, in EPA per play, but Sam Howell, even after throwing three touchdowns, is 20th. I mean, like he mm. trails quarterbacks like Jordan Love and Derek Carr and Anthony Richardson, even who obviously hasn't played in a while. Um, so, and the first quarterback he's ahead of, by the way, is Trevor Lawrence, which is interesting, but uh, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, I, I mean, I think you. You have to start to maybe be a little bit panicked if you are a Commanders fan that he is playing well enough to give you false hope to where you don't make a move in the offseason. Like, right. like he's he's not playing supremely well enough where you have the answer, but like you're you're fl- flirting with purgatory at this point, and that would yeah. be a disaster. That's the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is not he sucks and you have to move on. The worst case scenario is yeah, he just said he's in between. Looking at this game, how did the Falcons lose this game? They had more first downs. They were better on third down. Uh, they better yards per play. Falcons gained 402 yards in this game. Commanders had 193. <laughs> so the real answer here is it comes down to they're also same in the red zone. Uh, the Commanders had more penalties than the Falcons did. Here's the magic. The uh, Falcons possessed the ball longer than the Commanders did. What's the key? Yeah, this is Commanders one of the didn't turn the ball over. Right. Falcons turned it over three times. So kind of going back to the Eagles game, when you happen to turn the ball over a lot, it is really the only thing that matters in the end. The commanders were two for ten on third down. Yeah. Two for like ten. They, they, so they okay, like <laughs> looking at this these numbers more, the commanders like this isn't like, well, the commanders went to Atlanta and they outplayed them. I mean, they took care of the ball, and that's important, but it's not like they went down and put a beat down on the Falcons. It's just that they made fewer mistakes and the Falcons, I mean, made, the Falcons you know, beat themselves a little bit more here than the final score would show, I think. So like literally everything, I mean, you kind of said it, but like, I'm, I'm like when you go to like your generic kind of like team stats listing, like whatever, you know, site or whatever you're using, I mean, literally every single category, the commanders are not just like outperformed, yeah. but like significantly outperformed. <laughs> um, I mean, like, um, turnovers matter. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they can literally flip games. They flip this so that, game yeah. in favor of Atlanta. And that doesn't mean like now the commanders don't get credit. No, they get credit. Sure. They didn't turn the ball over. But this also doesn't mean like, oh, the commanders are actually back and they're for real. It's that's, you know, it's that they're the same team, kind of middling team that I think 
they have been mostly, and I don't think this means they've turned the corner as much as it gives them an opportunity to if they play better in these games upcoming, which they do have the chance to do that and do go on that little bit of a run there. But I don't think the needle has moved on the commanders. I've said that all season long, and I don't think this changes anything either. I would also, last thing, and I don't mean to just rip the commanders because a win is a win. And, you know, still, like, it's not your fault the Falcons turn the ball over. Um, but two of their touchdowns in this game began at the Atlanta 11 yard line mm. and 27 yard line. Yeah. Um, so, and even then, they actually had a third possession begin across midfield, but this one was by way of a punt, not a turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, so they began at the Atlanta 44 yard line and punted themselves. If you begin at that, at like at that point, you're what, like seven yards at a field goal range, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you, you can't punt if if you punt after starting with 44 yards to go, that is a failure. Um, and they yeah. did, and that obviously went three and out. But, um, okay, let's move on. The New York Giants. So this was a <laughs> um, to contextualize my experience. Um, this was the night that the Astros and Rangers began the ALCS. I was watching that more heavily. I did have this on the second TV. Um, and then when game one ended, there was enough time to kind of come into the Giants-Bills game and still enjoy the beautiful mess. Um, mm. And it was a beautiful mess. It was weirdly entertaining, despite the fact that everybody thought it wouldn't be. Um, our buddy Steven failed in his lock, um, mm. took the Bills at, what was it, 14 and a half, whatever. Bills didn't Got even score 15. 14 and a half. Yeah. Um, 14 and nine, the final score giants fans have a bit of a case. I think to complain about the lack of a call on the final play, but dude, like what's going on and the end of first half for the giants as well. Like this is there's nothing redeeming happening with the giants right now. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing at all. It's pretty incredible. They managed to get to the, what the one both times and not even score at all. Uh, I mean, just do the quarterback sneak there at some point. It's just give it, like, just try, give yourself a chance at that as opposed to throwing with your backup quarterback. Uh, I guess the tone at Big Blue View from what I've seen is that, you know, this is kind of an encouraging loss, but I don't know, man. Like, I can't, I I guess, because you didn't look as pathetic comparatively. But, like, if if you have a chance to win this game and you are making progress, like, you have to, you just have to finish it. Like, you have to do it. You don't get credit for not doing it. Like, you have to do it. I mentioned how can you start a possession at the 44 yard line and get no points? How can you finish multiple possessions at the opposing one yard line and come away with no points? That's yeah. amazing. Um, now and I understand McCarthy. That, I mean, the, the Dable end of the first half is just, dude, what are you doing? Pathetic. Brian Dable. I always had this thought, but Brian Dable proved that coach of the year is when it's applicable a rookie of the year award for nfl coaches like you know what i'm saying like that's really what coach of the year is unless you have this like over it, it can sometimes be like a comeback player of the year award for coaches you know what i mean like a coach who's been a little bit down on their luck and then kind yeah. of rose um it is very 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 rarely awarded to the coach who did the best coaching job um and i will be forever bothered that he got it over uh kevin o'connell for the it's season that the Vikings had. The most unexpected coaching job of the year. That's is what the maybe the best way to for. put it. Um, Terod Taylor, you said it would be funny if he created a bit of a quarterback controversy. I think he <laughs> did what he could. Um, and he did move the ball in a vertical sense in a way that Daniel Jones hasn't shown an ability to this season. And he and he didn't turn over the ball. That's true. Um, so which is big. He might be a better quarterback than Daniel Jones, but he didn't prove it in, in a way that is like funny. No. You know what I mean? Which would have been funny for us. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, cool. You only lost by five. You almost won. You kind of had a you chance. Scored to nine win. points. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, I saw Mike Clay of ESPN tweet this out, um, and you could do this with a lot of teams. He tweeted that the Dolphins scored seventy points in whatever it was, week three or four. The Giants have scored seventy-one points all yeah. season. I mean, dude, there was a point where just... like Jake Elliott was outscoring the Giants, which isn't good for the Eagles if your kicker's scoring that much. But still, like, that's pretty, it's pretty tough. I also, I mean, I think they've only scored offensive touchdowns in two of their games this season, or like three or something. It's terrible. I started to see more people come around to the take that you and I um, launched and created, much like um, the term NFC Beast, um, and that the mm-hmm. Giants had too successful of a first year of the rebuild um, that created unmanageable or unlikely to be fulfilled expectations for the second year. So I'm really interested to see the future rebuilds across the NFL because I wonder if there will be a coach who's in a situation like Brian Dable was last year. Like, couldn't couldn't you say 
this is a dumb way to put this, and I, I don't agree with myself, but couldn't like if you're a Giants fan, don't you wish that the second half of last season really didn't work out that way? You know what I mean? No, like, I, I always say no one ever means that. No one ever means like, oh, I wish my team got blown out instead of it even being close. That right. no one ever actually means that. No, because no one is sitting there during the blowout being like, I'm so thankful we're getting blown out <laughs> and this game isn't close. No one is ever saying that. Pe- people feel that way if it like, and I I do believe this. If it's like week 16 or 17 and you can clinch like the number one overall pick, you know, like that's a different thing um, as opposed to like you know the middle of October and just like you know it's a, there, it's there, there being so many thing. factors left. People yeah. say it in hindsight, but it's not something people actually feel in the moment. Still, man. Um, I mean, if anybody fell, I don't want to say fell for this because there were objectively fair reasons to believe in the Giants, but it was never fair to like to just chug the Kool-Aid. But I mean, this is a fan base that had been parched for like a decade. You know what I mean? So I, I don't blame them for jumping at the first opportunity. Um, but man, um, what a what a what an embarrassing like it's it's more than bad and it's more than embarrassing. It's cataclysmic. Progress isn't linear, and that is something I said about the Giants heading into this season. The problem is, I don't know if this is, you can call this progress. Like, I don't, I think that's just because they're taking a step back. Like the way they're going about it, I don't know that they're really progressing. And, you know, they have a stretch upcoming here where they, in theory, they have some winnable games. They're hosting the commanders. We'll talk about that in a bit here. They're hosting the team they play in their same stadium, the Jets. And then they play away against the Raiders could be a what was that guy's name? The defensive coordinator who left the Giants to go to Patrick the Raiders. Graham. Patrick could be a Patrick. Thank you. Patrick Graham revenge game. And then that sets up a game against the Cowboys. So they have a little stretch here where if progress is really happening, then win two at least two of these games, I say. Um we'll see. I'm about to get to picking the games, but um you have to Jets win at least two. Are, well, the Jets are on their bye. So you're gonna catch the Jets feeling the vibes of the Eagles win. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's a tough scene. You can't, you know what I mean? Like, unless you beat the commanders and do so in impressive fashion, mm-hmm. the vibes aren't really shifting in your favor. Um, but the jet, the jets are walking into that game feeling, you know, better than the Giants, sure. I think. But um, it is that time to uh, forecast. We're recording this on Tuesday. There's a lot to change as far as injuries, as it relates to all three teams, uh, only two relevant games because the Cowboys are on their bye. And the Commanders and Giants play one another. That game's mm-hmm. actually happening first, Brandon. Uh, at noon, the Commanders at MetLife Stadium. Right now, they are getting, or they, excuse me, they are laying two points. The Giant, that is a new low. Like when you're two point underdogs at home against the Commanders. Uh, what a tough scene for the Giants. I mean, I think, you know, it's weird. The Giants Commanders games were weirdly competitive, right? For the most part last year. The one was a tie, and then the other one, the Commanders had a chance to win at the end and did not. The Giants' offensive line is an issue, and the Commanders' defensive line is like the strength of their team, so I think that's a mismatch in the Commanders' favor. Both these teams I don't think are very good, but I am going to go with the Commanders. Commanders are, what, they're, you said they're they're giving points? Uh, yes, the uh, Commanders are giving two points. They're two-point favorites on the road. Then, yeah, I'll take the Commanders to win and cover. I um, I don't want to spoil my Eagles pick, but I've been saying about them, like, I'm going to keep picking them until I have a reason not to, right? Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. keep picking until I, you know, whatever, until something changes. And I feel the opposite way about the Giants. Like, I don't care who it is. Like, I am I cannot pick them until they prove otherwise. Granted, they did cover last week, but, I, I mean, I'm – I'm obviously down on the Bills. I've said that many different times. Um, they really escaped um, a slew of national controversy with a win, um, and now they get to dunk on you know the Niners and the Eagles because they won because you know history is written by the winners, mm. um, whatever. But um, so yeah, I think some of that was the Bills um, and maybe the Brian Dable of it all, uh, but whatever. But I'm taking the Commanders. Like I I am that unconfident in the Giants that I will, with sound mind and judgment, take the Commanders. Mm. Um, so and plus two points. I mean, it's effectively a pick 'em. I know yeah. it's not, but like you know, it's yeah. close enough. So cool. Uh, Cowboys on by as mentioned. Uh, we're dropping deuces here on the NFC East mixtape, Brandon, because at present moment the Eagles are two point favorites at home mm-hmm. against the Miami Dolphins. I did want to give you a next gen stat um, about this game if you're okay with it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. The Eagles are wearing their Kelly Green uniforms. They are first time since first time of this iteration. First right. time at all since the 2010 Kevin Cobb 
season. So opener. first time in the Nike era because they took over in 2012, right. right? Okay, so um, but what I wanted to bring to your attention, and I don't know if you know this, um, so far this season, every game on Sunday Night Football, and that includes the Week One game on a Thursday night, which is the Sunday Night Football broadcast. Every game has been won by a team wearing either a white jersey or a red jersey. Um, the Chiefs. Niners and the Bills, who wore their alternate reds uh, on Sunday night. Uh, those are the non-white jersey-wearing wow. teams to win on Sunday night football uh, this season. Although the Chiefs did lose in a red jersey in that first Thursday night game to the Lions, who were wearing white. But so, are you concerned uh, that, the, <laughs> that the Eagles are not wearing white or red? The Dolphins, in fact, are wearing white. Well, the Eagles actually had a really good record, I believe, with their black pants that they wear. And they actually did the rare combo last week of white top black pants mm. that they only started doing since Jalen Hurts asked the team to do it in 2021 and they lost to the Jets. So uh, maybe I'm not putting as much stock into the uniform thing. Or maybe, maybe the red and white is what's taking over, you know, Citizens Bank Park. And that's, you know, maybe all the vibes are there right now. You know what I'm saying? But this is a thing as far as I'm concerned. I do think that the Dolphins are a very, very good team. I also think that it's not just time to abandon ship. On the Eagles, where I think a lot of people will be picking the Dolphins this week, I think it's going to be a really good game, really close game. I think the Eagles learn and also get a little less unlucky. They're not, I don't expect them to turn the ball over four times again this week. So I think that it's a really close, good game. I said in my preseason prediction, win-loss article, when the schedule came out, that the Eagles would start the season 5-1. and one. I liked, and obviously that was with Aaron Rodgers playing for the Jets at the time. So I, I said they were going to lose either the Jets or the Dolphins game, but they will win the other one. And I'm going to stick with that. I think they're going to split those two games between the AFC East. I think the Eagles will find a way to win. Now, again, I have not yet seen the injury report, and that is especially important for the Eagles this week. Right, right. Considering all the injuries they have. So I reserve the right to change my prediction. Let's say if we're doing, you know, TGI football on Friday and my own, my actual like score prediction for the game is very much not ready to be made until I see the injury report. At yeah, least one injury report. And the but, line could the line could move significantly, sure. right? Like if, if lanes out, it might it might be a pick em or something like so, that. And that that changes things too. I mean, in most weeks, I'm not ready to like make my final pick on Tuesday, but especially this week is a little bit more of like I need to see some more information before I'm fully confident in it. But for now, I'm gonna take the Eagles to beat the Dolphins. Um, so you were right, um, obviously about the Dolphins and, and Bills game. That is really weird actually to look back on. Um, because that's like the one time the Bills have like really, really, really flexed against a, a contender this year. But whatever, it's still early. No need to have any hard takes about anybody. Um and, and in that game, the Dolphins were underdogs. And again, I think it was like three and a half, which is why you're right. Everybody was like, oh, two and a half, I think. Um the Dolphins offense just looks incredible. I mean, it it, it looks otherworldly um like if you look on rbsdm um at like kind of just offensive success like they're like off the like Absolutely. off the sheet like you know what i mean like it's amazing and the eagles offense has been efficient this season um uh, not to the same degree as last season but they're rushing it's actually been more in some ways if you but look that, at, like, i was gonna EPA say per play the, the rushing efficiency is really impressive and, and that's obviously maybe how this game is won um just kind of you know, I hate to be like super old school. I know we're talking EPA per play, but like go complete like archaic discussion. Like, oh, just grounded, you know, ground and pound Keep and the long, offense yeah, off the long field. methodical drives, whatever. That's, I think, the the way. Which they can do. They've done that. Right. Like if anyone can do that at this point, outside of maybe the Niners, it's probably the Eagles. Um, so I'm, I'm interested. I'm really, really in every game of the year that we've kind of hyped up has really failed. Um, and the Dolphins were a part of one of those and obviously lost it. But that was a, a boring game. Dolphins, Bills, Cowboys, Niners didn't live up to any kind of the billing. Um, so I would love to be entertained and have a great game kind of back and forth um, mm -hmm. to really kind of experience something fun and interesting. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Dolphins um, to win. Um, I would love to see too, just because I'm curious about it. I would love to see the Dolphins get out to like a 14 point lead. I would love to see the Eagles offense kind of have to to press in that sense, uh, just because, again, we haven't really seen that this year, except for the very end of the Jets game. So at this moment, the fact that I'm getting points, I'm going to take the Dolphins. But with, like you, I'm going to reserve the right to change things. And I've said, and you can back me up, until things change with the Eagles, I'm going to keep picking them, going to keep picking them. I'm a little bit too spooked at this point. And if it weren't the Dolphins, maybe I wouldn't. But the Dolphins look like maybe the best offense in the NFL. So I'm going to side with them. Um, so that is our only pick that we are different on this week. All right.
Wow. Are you ready for songs? Yeah, what's your song? Or we'll start with Rachel, of course. Rachel, um, always the early bird, got her song in, I think on Monday, actually. Uh, she has chosen Comfortable by Lil Wayne and Babyface. Are you feeling comfortable? Uh, I feel fine. Okay. Just fine? I don't feel amazing, Fine is a synonym for comfortable. Terrible. Okay. Um, we have kind of at times used uh, songs that are like themes of where the Cowboys mm -hmm. or not the Cowboys, but the Cowboys and Eagles are at. So um, in a literal sense, I'm going to go with uh, the song Bye 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 by NSYNC because mm. the Cowboys are on their bye. I recently watched the NSYNC mm -hmm. episode mm -hmm. of Hot Ones. Um, mm -hmm. It was a different kind of Hot Ones episode with five people mm -hmm. being on that side of the table. I'll say that, um, you know, but I also watched the Bobby Flay episode. I think you would enjoy that. Um, it was really cool to see somebody with like a, a knowledge level of food um, attack the wings the way that he did. So check those out. Free plug for hot ones. How would you? How do you spell in sync? In asterisk. Nope. Wrong. Try again. Have you done this like all of your life? Is that like a thing of yours that you're proud of and you think is clever? Try again. I. No. No. I don't know what you're getting at here. So. You have to start with the star. It's star. Oh, it's and not in apostrophe. It's the stars first. Stars first. I always thought, and I guess right now I thought it was in then the star then sync because that nope. would make sense because you're in space. No, it's yeah, but it's it's star. I mean, there there was the it has it says I'm looking at uh, genius.com right now, and it has like little asterisk at front because you know that's like the A S C I I form. Uh, <clears throat> online as opposed to actually being able to type a real star on your keyboard which you can do anyway it says uh asterisk in sync all capital letters sometimes stylized as star in sync formerly stylized as apostrophe and space sync not capitalized except for the n and then the s at the beginning of sync man so that would have been real thank god that this happened before the internet because this would have been horrible for seo you know what i mean yeah star in sync I mean, that's just like, you know, if I'm asking you, how would you spell ACDC? Um, I would say AC slash DC. Yeah, or AC lightning bolt DC, either way. Like, the point right. is, like, you have to acknowledge that. It's not just literally AC DC, even though we say um, it that way. Okay. What's My song. Is it something is... by AC DC? No. I was... <laughs> it's between songs. It's tough. Uh, I was thinking, do I do Halloween? Do I do what I've been listening to? I'm surprised to? you haven't done the Philly song at this point. Like, Don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with my... Hmm, Last week, go... by the way, your song was so complicated. Uh, <laughs> so good. It's so... such a good song. Uh, I'm going to go with I Won't Back Down by Tom Betty because that's my theme. I'm not backing down. I am not saying everything is fine and good with the eagles but i'm also not willing to say that they're hopeless at this point and everything is going bad and if they do lose and they get blown out by the dolphins look i'll be the first one to say i was wrong and i'll rip them not afraid to do that but for right now i talk about benefit of the doubt a lot i think they have earned some even though they lost to the jets i still think they have enough goodwill built up that they i am still giving them some benefit of the doubt here it's in philly i'm gonna say i won't back down by tom petty um i said this um in a few places monday wasn't a must win game for the cowboys um like um uh, shout out to tom downey who runs the cowboys report youtube channel I, he put this in a really well way i thought I, he said you can only kind of say that like maybe two or three times a season right because like every game is a must win but like you can only really call something a must win i think game, it would have like, been if the eagles had won right well so i i still disagree the, the, well the cowboys I mean, would have been down three games i know but Still, like it wasn't a must win, but it was about as close as you can get to being ready to kind of put that label on it. And that exact description is how I feel about this Dolphins game for the Eagles, but in a different context. Um, this is a must or not a must win, but it's close in terms of proving the status quo hasn't changed, right? Like the, everything is still functioning at, at this like a morale high must of, win. Yeah, at, the, at this high of a level, you know, otherwise, like a loss, particularly a blowout loss, could could incite this conversation of oh, now we're just like every other NFL team. You know what I mean? So um, it's important. It's a power rankings must win. Ooh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, where did you have the Eagles in your power rankings this week? Uh, I've not done them yet, wow. so I have to do that. But if looking at it very quickly, um, I mean, I'd probably, I'm probably i obviously going to drop them. 
Uh, probably drop them to. It's tough though because like the Bills lost too. Um, I Seahawks my, also um, lost top eight. I have the Cowboys at eight. So my top eight are the Chiefs, Dolphins, Niners, Lions, um, Eagles, Bills, and Ravens before the Cowboys. Teams above the Eagles right now, I'd put would be the Chiefs, Dolphins, Lions, Niners. Niners. That's yeah, that's where I had them. I think I had that's them, it. I, had yeah. I had I still yeah. had Philly ahead of the Bills. The Bills, it was such a gross win. And like it wasn't, I mean, maybe it was a moral loss for the Bills, another term you coined here, but mm. I mean. You hope so, at least, but whatever. Um, cool. As we leave, Brandon, I would like you to tell us, we're getting to that time, your top two. Nobody ever does top two. It's top three, top five, but your top two favorite Halloween candies to get while trick-or-treating. This is specific to, like, you know, it's pretty accessible mm-hmm. when trick-or-treating. You can't be like, oh, I like this very niche, you know, candy bar. No, like, uh-huh. it's a commonly distributed thing amongst trick or, trick-or-treating situations. I want the Reese's peanut butter cup, but this is the one shaped like a pumpkin specifically, you know, like the okay. holiday special one. I want that mm-hmm. big on like specific, you know, thing like, yeah, I want my mint chocolate ice cream to be mint chocolate chip to be uh, green, even though it okay. doesn't functionally change the taste of its white or it's just the food dye, but I want it to be green. The aesthetic okay. aesthetics are part of things anyway. Yeah, it's an experience for sure. Okay. Yeah. That's like people are always like, Whoa, well, who cares about the Jersey numbers or the Jersey colors? It's like, it's all part of it. Everything mm-hmm. is part of it anyway. like that's why you should only like the jersey choice should be like it should be part of the weather and the time of day that the game is happening you know what i mean Mm. because some jerseys just don't i've said before the kelly green jerseys i think look great in an afternoon game but maybe Mm. not so much at night but we'll see Uh, we'll see yeah give it a chance and then i will say a twix because hard to go wrong with the twix What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.